Hey there, you're listening to Chase Stories Chats with Marcelino Perez, a series where I sit down with friends and talk about their life stories and journeys. We dive into their passions and how they got to where they are now, discussing the good, the bad, and the funny all along the way. Everyone has an important story to share, and there are valuable lessons we can take away from each one. All righty, friends. Welcome back to another Chase Stories chat. I'm here with my good friend, Rachel Grau. Rachel, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, Rachel and I know each other. We went to high school together. She's the year uh, she's the year under me, so a year younger. And we traveled on a kind of like on a whim to Colombia a couple of years back with uh, another friend, Tina. Um, and so we just traveled around the coastline and, and that's kind of how we became good friends. Yeah. We knew of each other beforehand, but I feel that sort of solidified the, the friendship right there. Um, yeah. I don't even know how we got to that point of like going to Columbia because we weren't really friends in high school. I mean, I dated like one of your best friends. That's yeah. pretty much how we knew each other. But I think you slid into the DMs. At- <laughs> Not, not in that sense. Not in that way. No, not in that way. You, you were talking about my photography and some of my pictures. And oh, then we yeah. got onto the topic of traveling. I think that's how it went. And yeah, then, we definitely bonded over traveling. Exactly. And then uh, you were in Argentina. And then you're like, oh, I was telling you about how I was planning to travel to Colombia. And then it just kind of ended up working out that way. Yeah, yeah I think that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a super fun trip. But as is tradition... So here um we always start off these chats with the cheers so i've got Woo-hoo. another mic claw it's uh please sponsor me you're so basic <laughs> uh, let me crack this open thank you for joining me there we go cheers cheers i already did i already drank but i'll drink again <laughs> okay double cheers it's even better double cheers all right rachel we always start off with the hard questions here um, oh gosh for, yeah and i didn't tell you about this one <laughs> I've asked a couple friends about um, actually something similar, but not the same one. So, are you familiar with the animal, the manatee? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> well, I don't know so how familiar. Do, are you? It's like a water mammal, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And do you know what they call the manatee? What what its nickname is? Mm, I do not. So the the nickname for the manatee is a sea cow. A sea cow. Yes. And so my question is, is a manatee just a fat seal or an actual sea cow? That's a great question. I don't feel like I can answer that question because I don't know enough about manatees. I'm going to go I, with a, an actual sea cow. I like that. <laughs> You're already here first, everybody. I don't know the answer either. I just asked. Good <laughs> Rachel, for the people that don't know you, please give us a, a little background on yourself. What you know, where you grew up, um, and you know, give us some details about what you do now as well. Sure. Yeah, I grew up in Redwood City, California. Um, went to high school around there. That's where we met. And then I also went to college in the Bay Area. So I was pretty much in the Bay Area from birth until age. 22, 21. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, I kind of went to the other extreme and I moved to South America. I lived in Argentina for two years 
And then I moved to Mexico City, which is where I'm living now. But I would consider myself pretty nomadic. I don't, I, I live here, but I spend a lot of time traveling when it's not, um, when there's not a global pandemic. <laughs> and what I do, I studied computer science. And so after college, I've worked um, as both a software engineer and a product designer in education and in health industries. And yeah, I'm, but I'm currently kind of doing a bit of a career switch right now. So we can get into that later too. Ooh, yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that. Um, yeah. Rachel, you know what? I never, you know, in high school, especially, I didn't know you very well. And I never knew that you, you have family that's from Mexico and from Cuba. Yes. Yeah. So my mom's from California and her parents are from California, but my, well, from the US and my dad, he was born in Mexico, but his family is like a ton of immigrants as well. So his parents are from Cuba. They basically immigrated to Mexico, which is where my dad was born, but they moved around a bunch. They lived in like Brazil, um, Puerto Rico for a bit, Cuba and Mexico. And then my dad came to the US when he was like 19 ish. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. talked to a couple other people. Um, I talked with Tina about this as well. Um, what sort of your experience living in the US and being um, bicultural and bilingual? Yeah, I actually didn't grow up bilingual. My, really? So yeah, my dad didn't speak much to us in Spanish because my mom doesn't really speak Spanish. So, mm -hmm. you know, he would be like at work all day and come home and then I mean, I, I always bug him about this because I'm like, why didn't you speak to us in Spanish? But he's like, oh, it's harder than you think because he'd be at work all day, come home and then have to speak to his kids in a language that his wife doesn't understand. So it was like complicated in that way. But we did go to Mexico every year to visit his family. So I definitely like feel connected to that culture growing up. But I don't think I ever really I don't know if it's like this for you at all, but I don't I didn't think about it that much until I got older. Yeah. And I think like once I became an adult is when I really valued that part of me. And like, as you can see now, I've lived in Latin America a bunch. So I definitely feel drawn to it. And I became obsessed with learning Spanish and now I'm fluent just from learning it on my own. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's played a big part in my life. I definitely consider it a big part of my identity and I love Latin culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, like you said, I, I had a, a similar experience where I didn't really value it. So I got a lot older as well. And when I realized the benefits and um, I mean, first of all, like being able to communicate with family is super important um, and having that connection. And then just, I mean, just, I, I talked about it a lot with Tina actually, where we were just saying, you know, it just builds so many connections, creates so many opportunities without really realizing it. And it makes your relationships a lot deeper. Um, yeah. Those that speak Spanish. Um, it's a lot yeah. harder to do when you don't speak the language. Totally. Yeah, I, I definitely bond with Tina a lot over this stuff, too, because I feel like um, she's one of the only people in YouTube who kind of like understand both sides of it, you know, because I mean, it, you hear this from like bicultural people all the time where you don't feel like you necessarily completely belong in either culture, you know, yeah. and I definitely relate to that now. I mean, I'm not like you and Tina, where both my parents speak Spanish and things like that. But um, yeah, I always felt like I fit in great in the US, obviously, but I had this other part as well, this other culture. And then in Latin America, I speak Spanish and stuff, but I'm never going to be like fully Latina, you know? So it's yeah, like. You're, you're la guarita. Yeah, I'm like guarita. <laughs> <laughs>
Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, if anybody else also is bicultural or, you know, or bilingual, I feel it's, it's super important for yourself. This is my opinion, by the way. Um, it's super important for yourself to explore that area because if you ignore it, I feel like it starts to gnaw at you and, you know, you're really missing out on a lot of opportunities. Um, so that that's my opinion, my hot take. Yeah. Everybody. I think it's important. And I think another thing about, at least especially in the U.S., I think it's kind of like a very, I don't know if this will make sense, but it's a pretty individualistic culture. And I feel like sometimes we like being different, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know, at least I, maybe I just... I'm looking at it in a really positive way, but I almost like treasured that part that made me different, you know, because everybody kind of wants to be unique in their own way. I don't know. Yeah. I also see it where people, I mean, I'm, I'm going back to high school where everybody kind of wants to fit in and be kind of be the same. And then yeah, you kinda reach that's the point. other side of it. Yeah, exactly. It, but you kind of reach a point where you're like, oh man, being the same is so boring. Yeah, I don't want to be the same as everybody else and have the same boring conversations. Let's let's have a little little spice to it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Post high school, everyone wants to be unique. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, Rachel, tell me, tell us a little bit about you know how you kind of got started on this nomadic lifestyle and the pros and cons about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this today with like work stuff, but um. I think for me, I've always really valued freedom. And I think I grew up, I was always very like studious, played a ton of sports. I had a very structured life my whole life, mm -hmm. um, including college. I, I love school, I'm a huge nerd. And I definitely studied a lot and worked really, really hard. And I think by the end of college, I was just a bit burnt out. Mm -hmm. And I, I stayed abroad in Spain and as cheesy as that sounds, that really changed my perspective on things. And I started realizing that I love traveling and I love learning about other cultures and kind of challenging myself in a more like emotional way, not just in school by like taking hard classes or, you know, challenging yourself in practice, like playing sports and stuff, but really challenging myself to live outside my comfort zone in a place where I didn't speak the language at the time. And, didn't totally understand the culture and had to make completely new friends in a place where, cause I grew up in the same place my whole life. I never really had to go to my way to make friends and things like that. So I think that's kind of what drew me to traveling in the first place. And then I just became obsessed with it. I'm sure that you can relate to this when you get the travel yeah. bug and you're like, I need to travel. Um, that's what happened to me. And I, really got my heart set on it. By the end of college, I was like, I wanna move somewhere in Latin America. I didn't really care where, but I wanted to learn Spanish and do something different from Spain. So I just searched and searched. I emailed a bunch of people in college looking for like connections to companies or things like that. And I wound up in Argentina kind of by chance. And since then, yeah, I've been working remotely. So I usually work for companies based in the US with one exception when I worked in Argentina, but I work remotely um, while traveling and things like that. And there, at first it was like paradise, right? I'm like, oh, I can travel, I can live abroad, all, the, all these dreams coming true um, and just work in a coffee shop or whatever. But now that four years have gone by, I'm kind of like seeing more of the cons because, yeah. you know, it's it's definitely not like ideal for career stuff. And now, I mean, I did enjoy it for what it was and having the freedom and really focusing on like my personal life, I guess, for once, like for the first time in my life, pretty much. But um, yeah, now I'm kind of like, 
trying to shift back into career mode because it's hard to really build a career when you're working remotely and you're limited to like only remote jobs and things like that. Oh yeah, I bet. Um, do you feel it's also affected your relationships in terms of like friendships and stuff like that? I mean, I don't yeah. you tr like travel like every other month, but you, I remember like in order for your, like to get your visa and stuff, like you had to travel back to the U S and travel, you know, back to wherever you were. Totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, um, one thing that is important to me, I've never been, there are a lot of people who are complete nomads, you know, where they just yeah. work remotely and travel from place to place. But I've definitely always had a, a home base, you know, like whether that was Buenos Aires in Argentina or now Mexico City. I travel a lot, but I do have a home base and I, it is important for me to have a community, you know, and have friends like that. And the other thing about me, I guess, is that I, I've always been one to prefer having like few friends, but really strong friendships, you know, instead of having like a whole bunch of friends. And those friendships have, I mean, I have like my two best friends that I talk to in a group chat every day. We, we talk like all day, every day. And yeah. Traveling doesn't really affect it much. We always see each other every few months or whenever, and it's the same. And like, they visit me wherever I am, I visit them. So that's all that matters to me. And just having like maybe less friendships but really strong friendships and the ones that you make while traveling to are often especially strong as you know yeah totally because you it when while traveling and, and you brought it up you are pushing your comfort zones and when you're pushing your comfort zone a lot of times when you're traveling with other people you're also probably being pretty vulnerable and you're both in a, in a shared space where you don't really know what's going on especially if you're in a new country um, and so you're relying on each other and, you know, you're, you're seeking out those, those connections and, you know, you end up just creating a lot deeper relationships in a shorter amount of time, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. Like when we went to Colombia, you know, mm -hmm. it's like one thing if we had met, like first hung out in the U.S. or something, um, just like going to hang out, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's way easier to make strong friendships quickly, I think. Yeah, totally. And so now that your focus has kind of shifted from this sort of uh like nomad traveling um lifestyle um to wanting to you know do a focus more on a career and doing something like that where do you see yourself going you, you said that you you had some you know you're in the process of potentially like making some changes in that sense yeah totally so uh, career stuff to be honest, this is like my biggest struggle right now because yeah. um, I think through college, like I always loved school and I was good at school and I, um, it was even hard for me to decide something to study in college because I, I honestly loved so many different subjects from like literature to math to science and things like that. And I wound up studying computer science. Um, I wish that I had thought a little bit more about that in college. I don't necessarily regret it, but I studied it because it was like the class that I most enjoyed at the time. I wasn't really thinking too much long-term like career stuff. And I I guess I, I saw it also as like the most interdisciplinary thing that I could do because I viewed it as like a tool that you could apply to other industries or things. Like everything needs computer science, you know yeah. what I mean? And I don't know if I was like idealistic or if I just haven't really found my groove in that, but. I 
I guess the other thing that I'm really interested in is health. And I started noticing that like the second half of college and I thought, okay, I'm going to find a way to apply computer science to health or medicine or things like that. And um, yeah, I haven't, most recently, I just got a job where I'm able to do that. But um, I think just in general with tech, I've been very jaded by the tech industry. I've, from day one, I knew, from the day I graduated, I knew that I didn't want to do like the typical thing that computer science grads do and like work at a tech company that just never interested me at all, like even a little bit. So yeah. I really, I'm motivated a lot by helping people. I know that sounds cheesy, but like, that's why I've been working in education, like trying to apply computer science to education and health, but I've been really jaded by it basically. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily believe that that's the best way that I can use my skills. So anyways, all this is to say that right now I'm applying to grad school and I, I'm gonna um, study biomedical informatics, I think. I'm still looking at a few different programs and like epidemiology and a few different things, but it's kind of like a combination of how can I apply computer science to medicine? And I'm really excited about that because I've just finally accepted, like I don't really think the tech industry is for me, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'll just go into academia and be like a school nerd forever because that's what I love. <laughs> Student? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly, I could, I would be happy just going to school forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, um, with one of my friends from college, we, we had a long talk. He was also in the tech industry and he, he kind of did it for a couple years because, you know, it, you get sort of, in a sense, sort of like it's the, especially in the Bay Area, it's kind of like the norm. Like, you know, you're, you know that you're basically set if you're going into tech in terms of like financially. And, you know, there's also like the status, like, hey, I work in tech. You make a lot of connections through that as well, which, you know, can be great. Um, but just like you, he was also just felt like it wasn't for him. And so he, yeah. he took a big career shift from that and, and had to, you know, get away from it for a bit. What is he doing now? Now he's like flipping houses. Oh, cool. Yeah, totally he, he likes, he loves like working with his hands. And so he's trying to figure out how he can make that more of a, a career. And so he's like in the process of learning that. Um, yeah. But it, it's been, I mean, it, it's been cool to see that, you know, even though the society, you know, there is a lot of societal pressure to, you know, be financially stable, to have a good job, to have a job that has sort of influence as well. Um, and to, to see you and also him say, you know, I tried it, but it's not for me. And I'm going to make a choice that is more beneficial for me in the long run and is sort of following my passions. And I think that's great. And I think that's something that more people should be doing. Um, yeah. And I think the thing he said about like working with your hands, that's something I've taught. I have like a couple other friends who are kind of in the same situation is me like just jaded by tech in general. And I think a lot of us think the same thing. It's like, you just, you look at people like people who own restaurants or teachers or like things that are just so much more human, you know? It's like sometimes when you're just working on tech stuff, it's like, what am I doing? What is, I'm changing like the color of a button. Like, what does this matter? You know, that's how I feel at least. I, I've been doing it because it allows me to live this like freedom, free lifestyle, which is great for my twenties and stuff, but yeah, it's, I want to do something more like helping people, I guess. I mean, yeah. you being a teacher too, it's like one, that's an example of something that I admire so much. And I've been working in like random 
ed tech companies and things like that. And every time it's like, I, I'm, I go crazy in my head. I'm like, what are we doing? Like we're, we're getting paid, like people on this team are getting paid so much to build like tech tools for teachers to use. And they're getting paid more than the teachers themselves. And they're like trying to solve these problems to like help teachers. But I'm like, if we really wanted to help teachers, we'd pay them more. We wouldn't, you know what I mean? It's like just, Preach. just things like that. It, it, there's so much cognitive dissonance. I think I overthink things as you can tell, <laughs> but yeah. Well, we're going to get this trending on Twitter. Hashtag pay Marcelino more money for his career. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it's like um, the most important job ever. So <laughs> yeah, I think, I think more now more than ever, you really need, um, strong teachers um and the teachers really need the backing as well um, yeah with covid with you know everything with the black lives matter uh, movement as well and you know all of that everything going on at the same time um you know there, there's uh teachers are important we'll just yeah it is that keep it at that um, how are you feeling as a teacher with the covid stuff are you having to adapt a lot and learn new things about how to teach online is it super super different it is, and I, I honestly really don't like it. It, yeah. I feel for me personally, I gain a lot of, well, I sort of like get energy from being around people, and especially being around the kids that I work with. And yeah. I could be having, I could be wake wake up super tired and then go to work and then instantly feel energized by being around the kids' energy, or you know, they tell me something funny or something funny happens. You know, it's it can totally change the day. Um, yeah flip it on its head in an instant in a good way and also sometimes in a bad way but you know that's what makes working with kids super uh fun and interesting um and having to do it through a screen makes it really impersonal you don't have those same connections and the kids find it super weird they didn't enjoy it they can't be hanging around with their friends um it's not you know you can't get those experiences so i work with three and four year olds and one of the main things that we're teaching them is how the, you know, the, how to, you know, deal with either um, deal with conflict, how to, you know, navigate friends and all that sort of stuff. And you can't do that over a screen. It makes it really, really hard. Um, yeah. So in terms of that, it makes it really tough. I am, I'm, I'm essentially putting on a performance to keep the kids entertained um, all the time. Uh, so that they stay, you know, engaged in what we're doing. Um, so lots of activities. It's, it was, I found it to be a lot more draining than actually being at work for eight hours. Our days were shortened in wow. terms of the amount of time we had with the kids, but it felt longer for me. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel like that age must be so hard. Let's, I mean, the younger they are, the, probably the harder it is to do online because you lose all of those like impromptu moments of mm -hmm. just like interactions and stuff that happen on the fly. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's next year is going to be interesting and you know, there's still going to be a lot of restrictions in terms of what we can do. As of now, the school I'm working at um, is saying that we're going to be in person um, for the year. So we'll see how things go with, you know, COVID and if things change for all we know, it could change and we'll do online again. Um, but it's all, it's all very much up in the air and we're, we're having meetings every, every couple of weeks or so to, to talk about it and, you know, any updates on how things are going. Yeah. Things it's, just change every day. <laughs> seriously. It's, it's, 
it's a uh, it's a pretty crazy time in that sense. It feels like we're all in a sci-fi movie. Hundred percent. But it's real life. Yeah, every day is like I'm ready for the credits to come and to be done. Yeah. Okay, it's <laughs> over now. You wake up. <laughs> you all can go home. Leave. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> so Rachel, how did you? So obviously, you became kind of jaded with um, working in tech but you still continued doing it. How did you sort of stay motivated and get through it even though you were you know, doing something that you weren't really enjoying? Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I really enjoy my day-to-day -day work. I mm -hmm. love being an engineer, product designer. I love those things. It's more just the motivation. I'm a person that I need to be motivated by like the mission of what I'm doing mm -hmm. a lot or else I just don't care. So these past four years i've i've worked at four jobs now so i've like constantly been searching for something that's gonna like have a mission that i care about basically and that's what's kept me motivated i guess is like searching for i mean maybe i get jaded by one thing but then i get hope from the next thing and then that thing jaded me again <laughs> but now i'm finally working at i'm working with a doctor on like a basically a digital platform for health records and things like that. And I, it's the first time where I really think that what we're doing makes sense. And so that's, I'm finally like motivated by that and things like that. But the other thing is just that it's given me this freedom so that I've been able to live abroad and travel and all that. So that's kind of been the justification, but I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, time to do something a little more meaningful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think meaning finding meaning in your work is really really important especially as you yeah. get older yeah yeah and i just feel that i've had such a privileged life and i've been so lucky and the least i can do is do something to help someone you know it's like yeah. not just make money you know i could easily go work at like some tech company and just get rich but i just it doesn't really motivate me yeah yeah it sounds cheesy i'm sure a lot of people feel that way but you know <laughs> Well, this is what we're doing these talks to talk about these sort of topics. Yeah. Would you have changed um, the way you went about through college? Um, and would you have wanted to be more focused or were you happy with, you know, how it sort of turned out? Um, it's a good question. I think my first answer is that, yes, I would have studied something else like public health or mm -hmm. something more like I would have thought more not just about what classes I was enjoying at the time, but what I want to do long-term, but it's really hard to expect that from an 18 year old. So yeah, no. I don't blame myself, but I think something that I kind of view as a fault of myself now is like, I think I often do things just because they're hard, you know, <laughs> like, I think, yeah, like I was like, I don't know. I'm good at math. I'm good at science. I should do engineering because it's hard. And it's like, I want to prove something maybe, I don't know. And I think that was part of the reason that I ended up in computer science. It's like, oh, this thing is hard and I can do it. Like I should do it just be just for that reason, you know, uh -huh. where, yeah, I don't know. Part of it is like being a woman too. It's like, I, I don't know, I, especially in STEM and engineering and mm -hmm. things like that. I want to prove myself a lot and I'm trying to like become more aware of that and change it. Like, I don't need to do something just, well, I, I'm still doing that because now I like I'm doing marathons and, and all these things. Like I, I think I, I do that a lot. I think it, it could be just you, but I think it's super cool that you're, you're, you're in a sense, like you're just trying to prove, prove a point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess. It can be good. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you're just essentially showing that, hey, I can do it. And you know that, and you, you seem like the kind of person when you, where you, when you set your mind to something, you do it and yeah. you're doing it in multiple <laughs> different things. Yeah. yeah. I guess it is kind of related to the like traveling and living abroad thing. It was, again, it was like, I just want to go move to Argentina by myself, you know, cause it's a challenge. Like, I guess I, d I just do things because they're a challenge. That's one of my main motivations in life. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that, I mean, a lot of times it's very easy to get super comfortable and not push yourself. Um, so I, I say kudos to you to doing that because not everybody is, is willing to push their comfort zone and really seek, I guess, seek discomfort in a sense or, or yeah. be willing to be uncomfortable because that isn't hard, but that's where we, we grow as people and, and we learn the most. Um, yeah. So I am, I am a, what was I going to say? I, I was going to say envious and that's not the word. I, no, it's not envious. It's, um, you know, I think, I just think it's super cool that you're doing that and that you're willing to do that and you're pushing yourself and you are setting an example for other people too. Um, which I think is the whole, as well, like one of the message of Chase stories essentially is to really push your comfort zone. Uh, yeah. And grow as a person. So I think you're a perfect example of that. Oh, thank you. That's so yeah, nice. Um, thank you. So where where do you see yourself in a couple of years then after going to grad school? Where, where would you, do you have sort of like a vision of like, hey, this is where I would love to be or this is where, what I'd like to be doing? Once again, I'm I'm not too good with the thinking long term, <laughs> but yeah, I still battle every day with the two. I I find the like the whole like freedom and travel lifestyle, and then the career. I still have a hard time seeing where those two can intertwine. But because part of me is like, oh, I'm going to be living in a camper van, like traveling across the U.S., just living in a van. That's like honestly one of my biggest dreams <laughs> but then on the other hand i'm like no nah, i'm gonna be getting a phd and become a professor something like that you know so i i'm still going through all these thoughts right now of how i can mix those two parts of me and make and come up with some kind of lifestyle that's going to serve them both you know yeah yeah and i mean in Palo Alto, you see everybody in their camp for vans. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got PhDs also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, like the tech people. Yeah, all in, yeah. on El Camino, they literally just live on the side of the road in their camp. No. When and I'm they, a camper van, that'll be the last place you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they all do that. It's insane. I mean, it saves them yeah. a lot of money because the Bay Area is so expensive. Um, and they essentially just live at work and they, they eat, shower, and, you know, they get paid well. Yeah. So, so that could be you. No, that's not the camper van lifestyle I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, I'll be in the national parks. <laughs> Oof. Me too. I want to go. Um, yeah. Yosemite, You're a big national park guy, right? I am. I, I love national <laughs> parks. It's my goal to go to every single one at one point. That's awesome. I'm going to make that a goal of mine too, starting now. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to steal that goal as well. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yosemite, I think, is open. So just no ahead. way, it's open. Yeah, they opened it up, I believe. Certain certain parts of it. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Rachel, let's talk about traveling for a bit. Yeah, I'm you've, done. Been, you've been to a lot of places. 
Um, there's so many left though, so many left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, there, I mean, there's always somewhere new to go. Um, and the travel bug, once you get it, it's hard to get rid of it for sure. Yeah. What, let's, let's give some good travel stories. Some good travel stories. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear one. Where have you, um, let's, let's hear a funny one if you've got any. Well, I'll just tell you the, the first one that, I don't know if it's funny, but the first one that comes to mind is like the most, the craziest one probably, which is mm -hmm. that. So when I was living in Argentina, I met my current boyfriend who's from Mexico City. And I met him and about two months later, so he, he had traveled from Mexico City to Argentina on a motorcycle, uh -huh. which just blew my mind. I was like, I didn't know that people did that other than like Che Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, never met anyone who had done anything like that at the time. And uh, like two months after we met, he was like, so I was working remotely. I didn't. I was kind of like in the mood of leaving Argentina at this point, and uh, he was also kind of up in the air with what he was doing. And one day he was like, "Actually, his passport was going to expire," and um, he was like, "What if we just went back to Mexico on the motorcycle?" And I was like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> so we did. Like probably a week or two weeks later, we left Argentina. Like I moved out of the place I'd lived for two years. And we went from Buenos Aires all the way to Mexico City on a motorcycle. It took us like four or five months. And yeah, that was by far trip of a lifetime. <laughs> you literally lived the motorcycle diaries. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so cool. It really was too, because I, I mean, I credit him so much for this because he really took me out of my comfort zone. But uh he, we basically stayed like a kind of one of our goals is to stay with locals the whole way, like not pay for hotels and hostels and things like that. Not because of the pay, but just because of the experience and stuff. And there's actually like a huge network of motorcycle travelers. So pretty much everywhere we go, we would stay with someone and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you have to stay with this person in the next city. And everyone was so excited to host us. And we ended up like the whole way pretty much staying with locals. Maybe a couple of times we had to get like a cheap hotel, but yeah. There, and the the range of I mean we stayed with like every economic class you could think of and like we stayed in like a farm in the middle of nowhere we stayed in like a super rich guy's like mansion it, it was crazy <laughs> really saw a lot of sides of Latin America yeah I bet didn't you get sick there too that, you know what I never got sick and that is one of my biggest uh, proud moments in my life my stomach. <laughs> I never got sick on the whole trip. I, I got bit by a scorpion, but I never got sick. <laughs> Casual, just got bit by a scorpion, didn't do anything about it. Yeah, or, my, yeah. <laughs> did you have to go to the hospital for that? No, we were staying with uh, one of my boyfriend's friends in Costa Rica at the time, and um, it bit me and it hurt like hell, but, uh, and actually my mouth went numb afterwards, and then I fell asleep, but his friend who's from there like knows the scorpions and stuff and he's like oh don't worry that one's not dangerous oh something. yeah you just passed out though just passed out. Yeah. i fell asleep my mouth went numb and i fell asleep but i'm i'm here i'm still standing yeah <laughs> oh you know what i think i know what you're talking about i got i got altitude sick that you did that yeah that's what i remember yeah. i remember you telling me about that you got really sick from that weren't you in i think it was in Peru. No, it was actually crossing from Argentina to Chile in the Andes. We went from like sea level to five thousand meters in the day or something. I don't, I don't remember how much that is in feet, but 
it's really high. And I spent the whole night throwing up just really altitude sickness, you know? Yeah. And it caused a lot of problems because I was after that, I, I mean, Edu, my boyfriend was sick too, but not like me. And I was like begging for us to just go on so we could get to lower altitude. And because of that, we ended up like, we got to this point at the border where they were like, Oh, you should, you should stop here and like spend the night because it gets really cold when it's dark. And I was like, no, I don't care. I can take it. I need to get down. I'm so sick. And so we went on and it was, that was one of the scariest moments of the whole trip because it just got completely, I, I think it was below zero and we were on the motorcycle and I was not prepared. Like imagine being on a motorcycle below yeah. zero Celsius, not Fahrenheit. And I didn't ha I had like a jacket and leggings. That was it. <laughs> and it was, and there were no cars. We were in the middle of nowhere. Like if the motorcycle had broken down, I don't know what we would have done. Things like that. Yeah. Are you familiar with the movie Dumb and Dumber? I'm familiar with it, but I ha think I haven't seen it in years and years. Why? <laughs> There's just a, a scene in the movie where they go through the Colorado Rockies and yeah. they're literally on a, on like a mini motorcycle, the two of them. Um, Jim Carrey and I forget the other actor's name, but anyways, they're, they're, I'm just imagining you and Edu, or you just like huddled up against Edu. And yeah, like. I mean, the moral of the story is they end up pissing on each other to keep warm. But I, <laughs> I didn't think of that. I should have done that. <laughs> well, now you know, Dumb and Dumber for you know survival. <laughs> yeah. No, I just closed my eyes and like I think I put on reggaeton and I was like, just imagine you're in like the Caribbean right now. <laughs> <laughs> Mind over matter. Right? Mind over matter. <laughs> what? What was, I mean, that's an, an incredible trip. You said it took like four months. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, it was from like March to June. From a trip like that, what are some things that you, you, like you were able to learn from it? I'm sure there's a lot of like learning experiences that you're able to take from that. So much. Um, just how good people are, I think mm -hmm. was the main thing I came away with that. Everybody all the time was asking me like, oh my God, that's so scary. Are you scared? Things like that. Everywhere we went, it was amazing. Like people helped us, you know what I mean? Everyone was so excited to receive us in their homes. And like, we, there were so many problems that we ran into and everyone, people were there to help us no matter what. Like when I just remember the motorcycle breaking down in the middle of nowhere and like a truck driver stopped and took us to the nearest town. Things like, little things like that that happened everywhere we went. In Nicaragua, we had to pass, this is a long story, but we had to pass through like a revolution basically <laughs> that was going on. And this guy that we didn't even know, we, we met a guy at like an ATM machine and he was like, oh my gosh, you guys are like, what are you doing here in Nicaragua right now? It was like pretty sketchy situation, protests and stuff. And um, he was like, oh, I, I, I ride a motorcycle too. And like, I have a friend who rides a motorcycle. Let me contact him and he can help you get through. And this guy that we had never even met came to where we were, took us through literally all of Nicaragua, the whole country. And we wouldn't have made it through without him because all the highways were blocked with, like completely blocked with protesters who had like weapons and stuff. And yeah, he, he knew the way, he knew like all the shortcuts to get through. And and then he gave us a soccer jersey as a gift. I'm like, why are you giving us a gift? This makes no sense. But it was, that was the main thing I took away. Like people are good, you know? Yeah. It, it's sometimes it's really hard to, you know, it, especially I feel for me, whenever I see the media, there's always something bad going on. And it's, it's a lot of this sort of, 
don't know if people call it like fear mongering and you know they're like the highlights are always things that are bad um and it, sometimes it's really hard to remember that there's also a lot of good at the same time um amongst that and yeah whenever i've traveled i've also had similar experiences where the people are just so generous and hospitable and are always willing to you know give a hand in whatever shape or form um so that's yeah really, you're able to experience that and i'm sure you, you probably experience it the entire four months 100 um, like. and i think we need to take that i think it's sometimes you get caught up in like the traveler energy and like we really need to take those things into our daily life because sometimes you you don't i don't know it's easy to or it's easier to be like super kind to travelers and and things like that but it's important to also do that with people that you encounter every day you know not just like special foreigners you know <laughs> yeah yeah totally it, it make it more make normalize normalize a travel lifestyle in a sense like exactly um, not, exactly. the, not the traveling, but just like the openness, the the sharing, the being hospitable and kind. Exactly. Uh, that whole energy, the vulnerability. And yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that everybody at least once in their life should travel to somewhere where they're, you know, outside of their country. Um, yeah. And have it not be a resort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me uh, put that with like a big asterisk and like a neon sign. Yeah, not like the Cancun all-inclusive. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's also nice. But the all-inclusive drinks, I would take that. But Yeah, that, that's a separate thing. <laughs> There's like travel and then vacation. <laughs> yeah, but when you really get into it and, and start meeting locals and, um, you know, are really like go like reaching the community where you're staying, I think that's when you get the most valuable experiences while traveling. 100%. But, and then hopefully you can take those experiences back home and be a much better person in general. And then yeah. it spreads and then we'll all be happy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And traveling alone too. I think that's that's been like before this whole trip and stuff, mm -hmm. I, I traveled alone a bunch and that was also a, a huge learning experience, you know? Yeah. What What sort of things do you think you've learned by traveling alone? Alone. Um, I think I just, I think I, growing up, I was a pretty like rigid person. I, I, like I said, I had a very structured life and I, I was kind of anxious, I guess. And traveling alone, it's like, you got to just push those fears aside and re and you realize, I think for me, the biggest thing is that it gave me confidence. It's like, I can get by on my own, you know, it's a simple thing, but you don't really know until you try it. I can get by in any country on my own. Um, and then there's just all the pros of traveling alone, which is like, I can sleep in whenever I want. No one's going to say anything. If I want to go sit in a cafe and read for like four hours and not go do see like the church and the plaza, that's fine too. <laughs> Things like that. It's not like you've got a very specific memory in mind. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I love that you said that because do you know who who else I talked to that we met in Colombia? His name is Mike. Do you remember Mike? Yes, yes. I he rings a bell. We met him at, in Cartagena, no? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I talked with him a bit too um, before you. Uh, Whoa! I talked to everybody in, in that little crew, or almost everybody. Um, oh, what was the what was that girl's name? Uh, the one from Brazil. 
Oh yes, our two, there were two Brazilian girls. I, I yeah. still follow them on Instagram. <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully they will watch this. Yeah. <laughs> the other girl? There was another girl. There was another American girl who lives in Buenos Aires right now. God, I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. I talk to her every once in a while, but anyways. <laughs> but anyways, sort of harp. You know, he he said sort of similar things to you, just like the building of confidence. Um, he's a much more flexible person after it, and you know, he's able to. He also feels the same way in terms of being able to to deal with with most situations now. You know, being you know quick on his toes in that sense. Yeah, I, I remember specifically being so in anxious uh, in college. I would be so anxious about interviews. It's like a very specific memory, but like I'm really bad at interviews, especially like technical interviews for engineering jobs. And I remember after living in Argentina for three months, I had this moment where I thought back. I was like, oh my god, I remember when I would like lose sleep because I was nervous for an interview? That's so ridiculous. Like the interviews in English, how hard could it be? You know. <laughs> And like just that changing, it gives you perspective, you know, and it it makes you think it's not worth it to be anxious or nervous about like silly little things like that. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And I think you know it also shows and is like a testament to how much you've grown over the years as well. When you when you start thinking about things like that, and you just kind of it's hard when you're in the moment to realize your growth. Um, especially when you know when you're pushing yourself and you know you're willing to be uncomfortable, you are growing a lot without realizing it. And and sometimes it takes time, especially when you're in the moment. Um, yeah. And then when you look back at certain situations, and you know, just like you said, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I reacted that way, or you know, I, I lost slept over that. And I mean, that just kind of shows your personal personal journey and how much you know as a person you you've been developing and growing. Yeah. Did you have a moment like that too, or or do you have like similar every, thought feelings? Every about day it? when I <laughs> when I wake up and I I question why I do things. <laughs> totally. I'm not, I'm not, but um, I didn't have a specific example, but you know, yeah. I would say especially in the last couple months, I've just been. I, I think it's easy to to get lost in in the day to day shuffle, and you know, you you start getting into a routine and routines are good and building good habits are good. Um, but when they sort of, when you become too stagnant in them, you start stop growing. And I think that I realized, especially recently that I'd stopped growing as a person. Um, and so, you know, compared to who I was probably, uh, especially when COVID started, I, I feel like I have already started creating steps um, in myself personally um, which has been cool to see. I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, no, I mean, we've talked about this too, how, you, how you've just like set new goals for yourself. And, mm -hmm. you know, this whole Chase Stories thing is really awesome. It's something that you've cared about for a while, but like putting more energy into it and, and things like that. Yeah, totally. And I think um, probably the biggest thing of it all is also just trying to show myself more um, in terms of obviously like with friends, I feel like I, what you see is what you get. And I feel like I'm, I'm pretty open person. And, you know, I very much my character shows, but I feel more as well, like um, through social media where everything, everybody's showing the, the their perfect life in a sense, you know, they're showing- I hate the social media. Yeah. yeah I, I, so we've gone with other people very much into the topic of social media and how, you know, the pros and cons and, you know, how at the end of the day, it's a tool. 
Um, yeah. Use it for good or, you know, it can be detrimental as well. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out or what I'm working on, especially through social media is being more open and showing myself so that, you know, if I'm talking, you know, harping about this sort of mission statement about, you know, being vulnerable, being open, um, creating change in your life, and I'm not showing it through my social media, then, you know, I'm just basically essentially being a hypocrite. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, especially through that, be more, you know, be much more myself and not just showcase all the the cool, what perfect I Perfect moments. Perfect, you know, yeah, travel moments, especially since that's what I sort of focus on. Yeah. Uh, well, for what it's worth, your account has always been one of the ones that, I don't know, I feel like I divide my social media content into like ones that make me like positive net, net positive impact and net negative impact, you know? It's like when I, there are certain accounts where I'm like, why do I even follow this? Because every time I look at it, it makes me feel worse about myself or something. And for what it's worth, your account has never been that way. It's always like very uplifting and inspiring, if anything. Well, hey, I'm glad to hear that. And another thing I talked about with my friend Diego is, you know, there is that unfollow button. <laughs> yeah. And when you realize that, especially on social media, if something's not, if something's making you feel like shit, I mean, there is a way to just unfollow or block or do whatever. Like you do have the power to do that. And it's just being willing to do it. 100%. I definitely have to make a conscious effort to do that too, because it's not, when I say something makes me feel bad, it's not that the account itself is doing anything wrong necessarily. It's not like they're saying mean things or anything like that, but sometimes there are accounts where you're just like, you know what, good for them, but this isn't like doing anything for my self-esteem or whatever. So I'm just gonna <laughs> unfollow, nothing personal, but. <laughs> good, as you should, you know, if, yeah. it's not, if it's not helping you, then you probably shouldn't be having it. Yeah. But you know what? That's what I say about cookies too. But <laughs> moderation. <laughs> moderation is key. <laughs> moderation is key. <laughs> so Rachel, you're on this journey. You're figuring yourself out, and you. I feel like you are on a on a path where you're. You know, you you found something that you're really passionate about, and you're trying to mesh it. And I think that's really cool. And I'm super excited to see where it goes. Um, for someone who may have, you know, maybe gone through something similar or, you know, is experiencing, you know, like, I'm not really sure what I want to do. Um, I'm thinking about maybe, you know, taking the, in a sense, not the easy way out, but like the route that everybody is sort of saying like, hey, you should be going down this one because, you know, society kind of deems it as the right thing to do. What would you tell that person? I would say really think about what your motivation is if what you're why are you doing what you're doing if fear is one of the reasons then it's not right i think that's my personal belief um if you're what you're doing you're doing it for comfort or because you're scared of of doing something else then forget that fear and try i mean easier said than done and yeah. try the other thing you know um and yeah i don't know i just think about like your motivation behind things would be my advice. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely. When you like, when you said it's easier said than done, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Cause obviously there are a lot of, I mean, we don't know everybody's situations financially, whatever. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, I, when I think of it, you know, if you're going to just be in a job where you're, you're hating it, um, 
it's really going to affect your mental health. Yeah. And which will in turn affect your physical health. And then you're just not a happy person. And, you know, in the long run, you've only got so much time um, here on this earth. And I'm, you know, it's not, I, for me, I feel like it's not worth wasting. In a sense, it's almost like wasting time. Um, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, the motivation thing is important because I don't know that I've I've never really been motivated by being comfortable. I've never been like drawn to comfort or fear, but I have my own problems like that. Sometimes I'm motivated, like I said, by trying to prove myself or like ego and things like that. So maybe it's not fear that's holding you back, but it's something else and try to figure out what that is, you know? Yeah. That, that requires a lot of introspection, which I think is important. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really reflecting on who you are. I think that's, in order to figure out what you want to do, the first step is is really, you know, figuring out who you are, which requires, you know, really, I mean, it's hard and it's a lot of, you know, you really have to dig in and yeah. try, you know, think about who, who you are as a person and essentially like how you got to, to that point as well, which can be hard work, but it's, it's worth the work, I think, in the long run. Yeah. And definitely talk about it too. Like having friends like you has always made it easier. I don't know. Sometimes we'll have a conversation and you'll just be talking about something that's affecting you maybe emotionally. And it makes me think of like be more introspective about the same thing. So talking about it, if you have friends you can talk about it with, that's always the best thing too. Yeah, totally. Voicing it. Yeah. Definitely being able to voice it too is like you said, is super important. And that's something that I'm currently working on and learning too. So I appreciate yeah. you helping me and as well as all the other people who I've reached out to and have been helping me. Thank you all. <laughs> I'm so excited to see the other ones. It's going to be super interesting, I think. Uh, the other the other talks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, I'll give you a sneak peek sometime. Maybe I'll yeah. show you, you know, since, since you, you know Tina pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> curious to see hers. <laughs> we, we can all hop on a call later. It's yeah, all- we should. <laughs> uh, all right, before we go, because we're, we're almost at an hour right now. So oh, wow. Yeah, I blabbered on, sorry. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, I, I want to, that's the point is to hear um, everybody's, you know, everybody's sort of life journey and, and have them talk. Um, let's talk about Colombia real quick before we go. What are your thoughts on Aguardiente? I don't mess with that I don't think I've had it since we went to Colombia. Yes, I know. that's why I said it. I'm just remembering there was that one night, and I talked about it with Mike, how at this hostel, essentially, at least a third of the people there were from the Bay Area randomly. I don't know if you remember that night. There's like this squad of girls who, like, I was wearing um, the brand is Oaklandish. Uh, which oh, is yes, a- I remember. Yeah. This shirt. And then, like, three girls out of nowhere were like, oh my gosh, are you from the Bay Area? And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, um, <laughs> I do remember that. I think that was the night we, we were at the. They had like a rooftop bar at this hostel, which was I love that hostel, by the way. Republica, the one that we, yeah, yeah that oh, yeah. was so. Yeah, fun. I yeah. the Republica hostel in in, in Cartagena because that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Highly um, recommend. Yeah, sponsor him. <laughs> <laughs> Not sponsored. <laughs> hey, if, if we can bring them some people, then awesome. You know. Yeah. Um. They had that rooftop bar and i remember i think i bought everybody shots of aguardiente to start but i mean obviously we went for the tequila and the limes yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I have to agree with that one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and, and for the people that don't know, Rachel and I are both huge lovers of limes. Like I yes. would eat limes by themselves. They don't like, I don't need anything with it. Yes. <laughs> Makes everything better. Oh, totally. So please send us your limes, send us your tequila <laughs> recommendations. We'll take them. <laughs> Rachel, if, if someone, you know, felt inspired or, you know, had any questions for you about what you're doing or what you want to do, would you be open to them reaching out to you and, you know, asking you questions or whatnot? A hundred percent. Yeah. What would Definitely. be the best way to do that? Um, I guess just on Instagram, Rachel Grau. That's probably the easiest. It's at Rachel Grau, G-R-A-U. Rachel with an E. <laughs> Raquel, Natalia. Raquel. <laughs> Raquel Grau. <laughs> okay, Grau. Um, I will make sure to add that to the um, description as well of the video when this comes out. Cool. But Rachel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, oh, wait, before we go, you, so what day is today? Today is Thursday, June, Thursday, June 25th. I don't know when this is coming out, but literally like two days ago, you're in Mexico City and there was a huge earthquake. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, the pictures was, or the videos you posted. That it was insane. I mean, I I grew up in the Bay Area where supposedly there's a ton of earthquakes, but yeah. I've never uh, knock on wood, I've never experienced a big one until right now. It was insane because we live on the 13th floor here, so yeah, the, it's weird because an alarm went off. Like they have mm -hmm. an earthquake alarm system, which I don't think we have in California, but it went off like 30 seconds before. So our protocol is not to go down because we don't have enough time. Yeah. So we're just waiting there like outside the stairs in the columns of the building with some other neighbors. And we're just kind of like, what's going on? Is this like a drill or what? And then all of a sudden, boom, the whole building is like moving back and forth. And then I don't know. That is the one time in my life where I truly, truly believed I was going to die. Like it felt, it felt like the building was going to fall over. It was crazy. That is terrifying. I Mexico City though I feel has up their you know their earthquake protocol in terms of you know the buildings that they um, that they make just because of what year was that really big 2017 there was a huge one yeah there was one even before that too in the oh 90s. like an 85 or something, 85, yeah, something yeah. Like I remember my dad talking about it yeah um, but yeah oh my gosh that's that's terrible. I'm glad you're I'm super glad you're okay and you're able to <laughs> yeah the good thing is that because of the type of earthquake there was like very little destruction and deaths it was actually bigger than the one in 2017 but the one in 2017 hundreds of people died and buildings collapsed but yeah, yeah this one there was very little damage even though it was bigger which is weird yeah 2020 just keeps uh, getting better and better <sighs> See what's in store tomorrow. <laughs> Seriously, the uh, Saharan dust storm. We've got COVID. We got <laughs> what's next? Oh God, Marcelino super overweight. Oh my gosh, twenty. <laughs> yeah. I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ray. Seriously, thank you so much. It's been super great talking to you. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. It's always great chatting. Yeah, seriously, and we'll. I mean, you got to come to the Bay Area soon. Hopefully, once yeah. COVID gets a, you know. Hopefully it leaves. Just go yeah. away. Vaccine, come on. Yeah. Vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Have a good rest of your night, and uh, we'll talk soon. You too. Bye, Machi. Bye.